0: And rated five stars, and the greatest on Wherever you're listening or watching, remember always keep it squat. Yeah. And now, your hosts, Cliff Berkman and James Bobo Fay. Well, hello, everybody. This is Cliff Berkman, of course, and Bobo cannot make it today. He's actually uh, out in the field. He's going to try to get back home in time to kind of pop in by the end of the episode. But um, other obligations of the Squatchy variety have pulled him away. Perhaps you can hear more about that next time he's on the show. But for now, you're stuck with just me. So welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and usually Bobo. So, all right. So, um, just to kind of catch up on what's been going on this past week, things that you might be interested in. Well, number one, some new displays went up at the NABC. We got, uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous episode or not, but um, Shane Corson and Derek Randall spoke at Squatch Fest at the very end of uh, January. And Squatch Fest, if you don't know, is a really wonderful conference that is held up in Longview, Kelso in Washington. Um, it's sponsored, I think, by the Chamber of Commerce. And uh, I was up there, and Jeff was up. Dr. Meldrum was. Up there, and Derek and, and Shane and, and uh, Ron Moorhead spoke this year. We've had wonderful speakers the last couple of years, including David Polites and and um, Ken Gerhart was there last year. Just a really really wonderful event, and really nothing else is happening in January. So that's kind of the fun thing. One of the fun things about this particular conference is that nothing else is going on, so um, that everybody can gather around and get all squatchy together in uh, Longview, Kelso. Well. Shane Corson and Derek Randalls from the Olympic Project, of course, um, they uh, made a nest. You know, everybody knows about the Olympic Project nests. And if you don't, you can go back and listen to some of our previous episodes where we had Shane Corson on. And um, so they actually dissected one of the many nests that were found on the Olympic Peninsula, discovered how it was made, and then reconstructed a nest for that event using the same uh, techniques as the original maker presumably a Sasquatch. Um, And that included, by the way, um, breaking off branches of this particular kind of huckleberry uh, that grows on the Olympic Peninsula. Breaking off branches, none of these were cut, by the way, so they had to break these off as well. And there were no chew marks on them either. So they would break them by twisting and yanking and pulling on these things. And then the larger branches were shoved into the ground forming somewhat of a skeletal framework around which other branches from those huckleberry um, bushes were woven. And so they made one of these things uh, for Shane Corson's presentation at Squatch Fest. Well, of course, I said, hey, Shane, need a home for that when you're done? And they've now donated it to the North American Bigfoot Center. So uh, a new display has gone up on the nest. Um, We're going to continue to add to it, um, including original, real um, nesting material from the nest, once we go through it for hair samples and whatnot, um, as well as footprint casts from around the nest area, including some stuff that was found literally underneath the nesting material. Um, I, I cast some stuff with Todd Hale and Shane Corson um, at the Second Nest site, and we're going to display some of those uh, casts, I believe the originals even, um, including some handprints. So, very, very interesting stuff as far as the NABC is going here. Also, this past, like, it's been a very squatchy week in general, actually. Um, a, a few episodes ago, you probably remember that um, I heard some weird knocks on my property while I was taking a leak on the lawn out back. You know, I live in a very rural area. And um, it was also a a day, I believe, after the place called The Willows produced some Sasquatch vocalizations just a few miles away from where I live. So there seemed to be some in the neighborhood. Well, that trend continued. Last Saturday night at this point, I I had some friends over and we were drinking some beers and stuff hanging out. And one of my friends, Eric, went on the back porch um, to go take a leak. Well, he didn't pee on the porch. He actually walked over the porch to the grass area and took a leak because the world is our toilet at the end of the day. So anyway, he's back there and he's peeing or whatever. I'm inside the house. Eric comes back in and says, hey, Cliff, you have some weird animals on your property. And I, I've, of I've course, said, what? Really? Tell me about it. And apparently he was out there and he said something he, that sounded very large because of uh, the deepness of the pitch of the vocalization that it made. Um, uh, he estimated no more than 100 feet away. But, you know, unless you know how loud it is at the source, you don't really know how far away it is. But he got the idea that it, um, it wasn't that far away. But something was up on the hill behind my home. Um, and doing a noise like this, over and over again. So, what does that leave us? Bear, Bigfoot. I think those are the two most likely candidates. Um, I think a person can safely be discounted here from where I live and knowing my neighbors and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think elk make those sort of noises because, you know, this guy grew up with deer and elk and stuff. He kind of knows that. Although he did put elk out as a possible candidate, but he said he didn't think it sounded like that. Uh, I've never heard an elk go (laughs) over and over. Um, So bear or Bigfoot? I don't know. I've been crawling around my property the last couple of days looking for prints. I haven't found anything. So I don't know either, but kind of interesting. One final little piece of news that I want to bring up is I got a call this past week from a guy up in um, the Morton area, Morton Mossy Rock area, and apparently his sister found footprints on the property uh, one this past Sunday. Apparently, at a, in an area of the property that they don't really go into, and it's pretty far back behind the house, and it's up a hill, and they were uh, up there clearing brush and stuff, and they found footprints. Essentially, so um, I got my my friend told me about it. I said, "Hey, friend, go check these out for yourself." And tell me if you think it's worth me driving two hours out there. And he checked it out and sent me some for, more photographs of other possible impressions. And I said, yeah, you know what? I'm going because I know for sure that I will not cast Sasquatch footprints if I stay home. So I drove the two hours up there and took a look for myself. And, uh, well, you know, they looked really good. I can totally see why I was called about this. Um, But at the end of the day, my conclusion is that these are most likely boot prints that had been sitting around in the weather and probably under a layer of snow for a long time. Um, But this boot um, made an impression as the human wearing the boot was walking downhill and therefore slid. It not only slid forward, elongating the print to about 14, 15, 16 inches, somewhere in there, but it also slid sideways, making it look wider than it would normally. And to top it off, there was some erosion in the forepart of the foot that suggested toes. Uh, but looking closely, some of the other more faintly uh, impressed, quote unquote, toes were actually very old sign of the tread on the bottom of the boot. Um, So kind of interesting and a good lesson, of course, you know, I mean, driving two hours or so to look at a boot print in the ground sounds like a disappointment, but it wasn't Um, just another opportunity. And frankly, that brought me up to the Morton Mossy Rock area where all sorts of stuff happens. So it was dark by the time I got up there to check out the prints. So I went driving around for a few hours because like most of you by now, I have a dash cam. And we all know that almost half of sighting reports happen on lonely roads at night. And so driving roads at night with a dash cam is one of the most effective ways to get Sasquatch footage there possibly can be. So I did that for a few hours. Um, And one of my stops... I found a footprint. Oddly enough, I went to a pond up there where there have been a number of sighting reports. Um, most, I don't know whether most recent, but um, even my friend who called me up there said that one of his friends saw one there, or at least saw a really tall, massive shadow walk away on two legs. And so I'm going to call that a Bigfoot sighting. But anyway, I went to that pond and I found a possible print, um, with one or two toes visible, a nice big rounded heel. And, um, yeah, I just love that area. So much trackable substrate. I of course cast both these footprints, by the way, The, the one that was a boot and, um, the other one near the pond, I cast both of these. So if you ever come into the NABC, you can ask and I'll run upstairs and grab them and show you what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, so that was my week. I live a pretty squatchy life as you can probably figure out, I guess. Uh, All right. Enough about me. I have a cool guest today and I know he's cool because he's a friend of mine. I've known him for years and years and years. Did a little filming out on finding Bigfoot with this gentleman. I've been in the woods with him as well. Dr. Meldrum and I um, went out on an expedition with this gentleman, spent a few nights with him. Um, He's a, I don't know how long I've known him. I have to ask him about it. So, um, Reggie Bird is my guest today, a resident of Walla Walla, Washington, and a Bigfooter for many, many years. Um, Reggie, welcome to Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and
1: usually Bobo. Hey, glad to be here, my friend. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for uh, setting aside a little bit of your day for us. Um, You're a a guest that Bobo and I have talked about trying to get on here kind of a lot, actually, but we just have never never actually connected in your work schedule and our work schedule and whatnot. But what really solidified it was that a few weeks ago, we had Greg and Dana Newkirk on the show. And um, most people would probably know you from the episode where Greg and Dana Newkirk and you and RPG um, filmed with the Finding Bigfoot crew in Mount Shasta, I think. Yes,
1: (laughs) Um, it was uh, the Supernatural Bigfoot episode, I believe, and uh, a lot of fun with those guys uh, and you just getting out there and uh, following up with the uh, guests and uh, evidence, you know, just kind of going where that led us. It was just a fun time. And I believe that was going on seven years ago now or so.
0: Oh, man, time flies. Yeah, yeah. We're not getting any younger, my friend. Um, but, you know, the, the most ironic thing about it is you were on the Supernatural Bigfoot team, but you don't think they're supernatural at all.
1: No, I don't. Uh, and I, I, I wanted to convey that. And in, uh, in, even in the episode, I, I think Bigfoot or Big Feet, however you want to, are, you know, living and breathing primates. And um, they are just masters of their environment. And this and they know how to hide. They know how to, you know, uh, make themselves seem invisible. If you know, and and even though the supernatural side says they are interdimensional, they can, you know, uh, go in and out of uh, vision uh, of the witness. But I just think they are able to blend in. They know the nooks and crannies that they could, uh, you know, pop in and out without being seen. They're very agile, so they can drop at a moment's notice or be as quiet as a ninja in the forest. So that's just, uh, you know, at least that's my two cents.
0: Well, I I really have to congratulate you to be so open-minded that you'd be willing to join the paranormal team and, and try to do all this sort of stuff. That must have felt a little awkward, though, in some ways, don't you think?
1: It was definitely awkward. Uh, you know, I, but I, like you said, I was definitely open minded. And it, it, when it, when it comes down to solving the, uh, Bigfoot mystery, it, you have to be willing to, uh, venture out and see different sides of the coin and, and, and just. You know, because they might bring something to the table that you didn't really necessarily think about before. And so but maybe you use it in a different way, you know, depending on, you know, how how you research when you go out there. And so and that's what I was looking forward to is just kind of bringing something different to the table that maybe I could add to my repertoire or, you know, my arsenal when I go out and, uh, you know, research.
0: I think that's a really good way to look at it, actually, because, um, you know, a good example of that are, and um, for all my my ghosty friends out there listening and stuff, please forgive me if I don't get the terminology right, but what are these, the EM, EMP meters or AMV, EVM something or other? They basically detect electronic fluctuations, right? Um, and they say that has something to do with ghosts, and I don't know, maybe it does. I'm not a ghost guy, but I do know flesh and blood Bigfooters who are actually using that and just seeing if there's a correlation, because who knows? I mean, sharks and and other animals like that are extraordinarily sensitive to electric fields um, that's one of the reasons that great white sharks aren't easily kept in aquariums because a lot of the metal that they use to reinforce these aquariums these giant you know world-class aquariums um, actually de- de- generate an electric field like the one in uh, the San Francisco and uh, Golden Gate Park the, it was a big tubular sort of a, a big donut shaped thing that this great white shark would swim around in back in the day and they it didn't wasn't doing well and what they discovered later was that it was actually the the electric field and the metal um so who knows i mean we don't know what sasquatches are capable of really so i know a couple flesh and blooders that are using ghost technology to see if there's a correlation to see if they can find out anything so i I think it's a, a a very reasonable pursuit of seeing what if they can bring anything to the table and of course greg and dana are just so welcoming and so warm and so funny and kind yeah you wouldn't feel out of place at all you know so um now before finding like, we'll get back to the finding bigfoot thing cuz I'm sure there's some fun stories we can drag out and and you know, whatever dust off cuz those are a blast. Um but how long have you been doing the bigfoot thing?
1: Oh, uh, wow. Um I would go back maybe just over 2 decades now to be honest. Um you know, I grew up in uh South Carolina, so <laughs> no secret there are no mountains uh, around there or at least the area I grew up in you know you have the Appalachian mountains but they were so far away that all I had was you know flat land and um, a lot of woods but we still had our own legend in that area especially in the early to mid 90s which was called uh, the Lizard Man I don't know if you uh, if you uh, are familiar with that but uh,
0: uh, only through what um, Lyle Blackburn has written about
1: yes and uh so there were been, there was these reports in Bishopville, uh, South Carolina, which is only maybe 45, to maybe an hour away from where I live. Uh, and everyone was up in uh, in this, you know, just kind of panicked mode saying, uh, you know, kids were, you know, couldn't stay out late because the lizard man would get you. And, um, you know, that parents started using that, you know, the lizard man's going to get you if you stay out late, or if you don't listen, we're going to, you know, offer you up to the lizard man. But uh, jeez <laughs> but yeah, there were, and then there was this report where this van was attacked and it had these claw marks and these bite marks. And it was, uh, you know, the, the van itself was almost like ripped to shreds in a way. So whatever it was had to be pretty powerful. And the police went to, and they did their, you know, initial investigation and they couldn't really come up with anything that could have done that. They wanted to say it was maybe a uh, rabbit dog or, but they just couldn't figure out what actually attacked the, you know, the van of these, uh, uh residents. And so that was in the paper and, and I just became really fascinated with it and did, you know, started researching as much as I could. And doing that led me to Bigfoot, uh, because they, uh, there was, I forget his name, but he... Um, it was a gentleman who said that the scales, the green scales that everyone claims they were seeing, was actually just moss on the fur from uh, and from a Bigfoot. You know, because in South Carolina we have these swampy, marshy areas, and if you're you know habitating that area, you're going to, I guess, eventually your fur will be matted with moss and green uh, vegetation, and so. That was his theory. And so I started, you know, that's kind of what I adapted. If there was some form of, you know, some type of creature that was in that area, I, you know, I'm not saying that this scaly, you know, being is not, wasn't walking around. But I, uh, you know, more logically, the explanation would have been a Bigfoot with maybe green matted fur uh, from just, you know, the habitat he was in. And so that's what led me further down the line into the Patterson film and uh, you know Paul Freeman and um, and so then uh, uh, coincidentally I moved to Walla Walla and Paul Freeman footage my, basically in my backyard and so I uh, took that opportunity to go out and, and, and research the area uh, extensively. And what year did you make it out to Walla Walla? I uh, got. I, I moved to Walla Walla in 1998. Okay. Okay. Well, those guys were still around at that point. Did
0: you ever run across any of the old timers like uh, um, West Summerlin, Paul Freeman, Bill Lowry, um, David Bean, Dar Adding to any of those people?
1: Yeah, they used to have this thing where they uh, set up this uh, these little booths and this, uh, and they would have conversations in the mall. Um and, and they would do this, I believe, every Sunday. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and I did stop in once and just kind of listen in and um and it was amazing. And so um I, I wish I would have introduced myself and you know and and, and who knows, probably could have ended up going squatching with some legends there, but uh never did and uh only went that one time and, and that was uh that's something that I regret to this day, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah. If you're not regretting stuff, you're probably not bigfooting very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you, the blues are literally in your backyard, and like the some of the richest uh, bigfoot history is literally in your backyard. Um, where did you start going, and, and what was your uh, what was I guess your methodology at the time? Just going camping, going driving, or what did, what, what did you do, and what were you trying
1: to accomplish? Pretty much when uh, when I first started going up there. I didn't really know the area. I kind of, I, uh, just off of what, you know, the local residents were telling me. Um, so I, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Bowen, he's, uh, very, um, much, a um, you know, Bigfoot enthusiast as well. And so we teamed up and we would go t- up to, uh, different places such as the, where the Paul Freeman footage was, uh, shot at, um, D-Duck Springs. Um, camp there a few times just to you know get a feel for the area and just look around of course but um then we ventured off a little bit more into the uh area but uh we uh uh Paul Bowen and I have uh come up with this um I don't and we and like I said it's still in the uh infancy stage but we believe there's something called like there's this triangle in a sense uh of these three places one is where the paul freeman footage was shot and, and then these other two places which uh i don't want to give away just yet because we're not done you know exploring those two areas uh like we want to and so um just for you know, secrecy. I, I I don't want to give those two names away just yet.
0: Well, yeah, we don't we don't we're not asking to give away your fishing holes. That's for sure. But but so, what do you think? Is so special about these three locations?
1: Just the activity that's been coming out of there. We've had several reports of these two areas, and um, and, and one of the areas is where uh, you, Jeff, Paul, and I did a little research in that area on one of your expeditions. Uh, over into the blues and uh and I was I was meaning to ask you it's been years but I was meaning to ask if you had any idea or did you put much thought into what we heard that night that loud crashing sound I I think it was
0: yeah yeah so yeah I was in. um I I, I went out to the blues uh, this what year was that Reggie I don't even remember
1: 2017
0: 2018 2017 or 18. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that and Jeff was going to be out in the blues, and he invited me to go meet him at some point. So, and I broke away when I could, and then I found out you were going to be there with uh, Paul. So I, I met you guys out at this location, and in this location has had a lot of reports. Uh, it, it's on the Freeman map that's hanging in the NABC. You know, it has a bunch of stuff on it. Um, a long history. I personally know people who have seen Sasquatches at this location. I said, yeah, I definitely want to go there. And uh, that night, we were poking around and staying up late and whatever and just kind of listening at camp at that point because the night activities were kind of over. I want to say... My memory is pretty fuzzy, but I, th- I want to say it was like 2 in the morning or something like that. Yeah, and, and just li- basically a big old ruckus happened um, basically to the south of us. Got it recorded. I woke Jeff up. Um, he had fallen asleep. Jeff's kind of a sleeper, and he goes, he's blessed with being able to fall asleep quickly. I am not. And would listen to it for a little while. I still don't know what to make of it because – I would initially think okay knocks and ruckus maybe something ter- who knows but then a few minutes later four or five minutes later we heard a car um which is very rare at that time of night of course no one's really driving around we heard a car in that same general direction so to this day I don't know if we heard a possible sasquatch noise or if we heard you know people shooting in the in the night which is which is uh, totally illegal of course but um, but that that stuff does happen. Just because it's illegal doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, so I, yeah, to this day, I don't know what to make of it. Now we have a recording of that, don't we, Reggie?
1: Yes, we do. We do.
0: Okay. Well, um, we'll we'll pipe that in right now, and you can take a listen to it. I don't know what to make of it. What, what do you think was going on?
1: Um, I listened to it a few times and like, you, just like you, I'm not sure what to make of it. Sometimes I feel like I can hear like the foliage breaking and, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. It, it was just, you know, really, it really startled us. And, uh, And so, just looking back, you know, I've always I cranked it up just to see if I can get any more detail. And you know, after listening to it a thousand times, you your mind starts to play tricks on you, and then you think you might hear a uh, a faint howl, and and and, you know, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't hear it the first nine hundred times, so why am I hearing it now? But um, yeah, yeah, and so I, like I said, I I really don't know what to make of it, and uh, I I hope uh, maybe you know, the listeners could, you know, give it a, give it a go and see what they think. And, uh, and hopefully, uh, maybe you can dissect it a little bit better than I can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's just one of those things that's so ambiguous. There's nothing really we can do about it at this point. And it's just like, uh, eh, there's that. Let's try to go get something better. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Gosh, I just love the blues. I mean, that was uh, such a neat trip for me because uh, I think it was on that trip. I'm pretty sure it was on that trip. In um, that one trip alone, like, because uh, I, I was I was camping there for like a week alone, you know, and I, I think I teamed up with you guys for a couple nights, like a night or two, and that's it. And then I just went off gallivanting alone for a couple days uh, as I want to do. And one day out in the blues, I saw a wolf pack and a mountain lion in the same day, in the same general area too. Um, that, that, that was pretty cool. It was way north. It was kind of by the Willow- wall, up there way north of that general area where we were. Yeah. Uh, I, I turned around a corner on, on the road in the middle of the day, you know, probably like two or three in the afternoon. And there was a wolf pack in the middle of the, ro- in the, the road, about 60 yards ahead of me. Um, I saw three or four cubs, wolf cubs. Um, because they were kind of going in and out of the tall grass on the side of the road. And then I, you know, I'm fumbling for my camera, my, my video camera that I keep next to me when I drive roads in case something like this happens. And, um, they all kind of disappear off the side, and I'm still trying to get the thing focused and all this other stuff. And it was just a mess. No one, I mean, it would have been very, very sad if it was a Sasquatch instead of wolves. But one of these things, uh, th- this little wolf pup, and uh, and I'll say a wolf pup, but the thing, it was about the size of my own dog, Sochi. Um, and Sochi's like 65 pounds. So this wolf pup is like 65 pounds. It like sits in the middle of the road and like looks over at me, and like you can totally tell the, and I've stopped my car, the, you can totally tell the attitude was just like, what are you going to do about this? You know, and it just could not care less, you know? So I I actually got footage of this wolf, which is really cool. um, And before it went off the side of the road and when it did go off the side of the road, I drove my car up closer. um, And of course I I looked around for them and stuff. I didn't see them. Um, But I did get out and uh, find their footprints and I cast their footprints, which is a lot of fun for me, of course. And what I learned uh, is what I did not see. I apparently didn't see mom. Because these uh, these wolves were accompanied by a very large wolf, and uh, I never even saw the thing. I just saw the the bungling you know wolf puppies on the side of the road. Yeah, so that was an exciting thing. And then not probably about an hour and a half later, I ran across another car out there, and I, I spoke to them for a minute, and they told me about a dead elk that they found in the neighborhood. And I said, oh, I want to go camp over there because I'm not very smart." And so I, I I went down the road and I found where um I found the general area where the dead elk was. I never did find the dead. It was a dead elk calf, by the way. Um, I found the general area where they told me, and I, I just made camp. Um, but before I did make camp, I I literally stopped at random in in this meadow area, and 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 with my FLIR, um, my thermal imager, I looked out the window, and not 50 feet from me was a mountain lion in the meadow itself. And I was really excited about that, of course, because again, like I said, I'm not very smart. And so um, I stopped the car and it looked at me and it bolted. So I got out of the car because again, not very smart. And um, and I started glassing around with uh, the thermal imager and I saw the thing. It was about a hundred yards away, all kind of crouched down in the grass, just watching me. So I watched it for a while. It watched me and, and nothing really happened after that. So I decided to go a few miles down the road from there and camp. but yeah the blues are just amazing the blues are just fantastic you could not have chosen a a better place uh, to live um, next to those things definitely a
1: hidden gem for sure i think
0: now having being blessed by living in the foothills of the blues there in walla walla um have you what kind of successes if any have you had while looking for sasquatches up in the blues
1: Had uh, some mediocre success, I would say, you know, a lot of uh, recordings of vocalizations, um, you know, of what we, you know, could be. A, a Sasquatch, you know, everything is yeah, It's hard
0: to say it is without yeah, seeing it, right? Exactly, yeah. just
1: some very interesting callbacks, if you would, you know, if I could say um, but, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to say for 100% that it was a Sasquatch because you just really don't know, but just you know, the time of, you know, night that we get these callbacks and and, and just the the baritone and, and the callback it's just, uh, you know, it just hits differently when it's, you know, a potential Sasquatch callback and um, also, just different, you know. Of course, you know the footprints. Um, we uh, come across some very interesting p- footprints over the years. Um, some were cast, some were not, uh, just because they're, you know, most of the time in the blues, uh, it's really hard to get a casting because this the area is so dry that mm-hmm. uh, there's not an. Uh, a good enough impression to you know make a castable print so and most of the times we're just always going oh wow you know and maybe taking a picture but as far as casting this is far and few between in the blues and we've uh actually uh, just recently got a report uh from uh, this gentleman who during a thunderstorm he and his wife decided to you know what the heck let's go up in the foothills and, and uh mess around <laughs> and they were on the hood of the car when they, you know, they got up there and, and kind of got on the hood of the car. And all of a sudden, you know, bet- between the, uh, the thunder, they heard these, this yelling and, you know, they ignored it at first. And once again, between the thunder sounds and the, uh, they heard it again, it's like this real high, screeching yell you know, and and so they finally kind of walked down they were on uh, on top of this ridge and they kind of walked down a little bit to see kind of over it into the flat area uh it was like this big meadow or or what have you um and they could see this figure uh was uh looked like they were it was just screaming at the top of his lungs it was real it was uh around uh twilight so they uh um not twilight but just dusk and and so they they couldn't really make out what it was, but, uh, it was this, the gentleman said it was about maybe three, 400 yards away. And, um, he could, you know, make out, it, it was upright walking and it was just yelling at the top of his lungs. And, and you could see off in the distance, this other little black, they said it was like real dark dot that was like randomly moving around. And I, uh, I could I would only assume that uh maybe you know if you're talking you know from a bigfoot standpoint you have a, ma- a mother and maybe possibly a juvenile who got separated during the storm and, and and he you know he or she couldn't hear the mom yelling because of the thunderstorm and so um that's just one theory that I had and when when did this happen uh this happened about 2 weeks ago
0: Oh so it's was very recent then now, um, I, I, when I called you this past weekend, I or I texted. I think I called you on um, this past weekend, and uh, you didn't get back to me for a few days because you were in the woods. W- were you investigating this report?
1: Yes, yes. I uh, went up there. It's near a, another uh, legendary area, um, where which I think uh, Jeff Meldrum actually, you know, found uh, was introduced to his uh, track this trackway by uh, Paul Freeman. Oh, the Five Points area, Five Points, Washington yes five points and um so i I went up there did my, uh, my investigation i couldn't quite get to the area where the figure was but um right um maybe 50 to 75 yards away from where they saw the figure was the tree line so um i'm assuming you know whatever this was uh ended up meeting up with the other one and they just, you know, darted off into the tree line because the gentleman said that after, uh, you know, they tried to get closer, but they couldn't find them anymore. Because as you go down more, you lose sight of kind of where they were.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense because the Five Points area, um, the Jeff cast his footprints in February of 96 in the Five Points area. Um, and Five Points is right next to Black Snake Ridge and Biscuit Ridge and Clicker Mountain and and, and that's a spitting distance from Mill Creek. All, a lot of stuff happens during this, the winter months down to those lower elevations because you can't get up. Who knows what's happened at d Springs because that's at a higher elevation. You can't even get up there, right, this time of year, can you?
1: Exactly. No, you can't. There's no way. I mean, you would have to make quite the trek with snowshoes in order to get up there right right now. That would be hell. Yeah. There's no way. And uh, so the low line areas, the foothills are are getting all the action around this time of year. Um, And speaking of that, we um, it was about maybe two years ago now where uh, Paul and I were doing an investigation into the foothills. And we uh, this gentleman who owns this. Plot of uh land. Um, he had uh, he was saying that he heard some weird noises up above his house, uh, uh, you know, behind the hill of his house, and so we went up there, you know, because we we like to try to follow up on as much as we can. Um, and so we, when we went and looked deeper, we found what this like bone cache of some sort, and it had you know. Different types of bone, you know, we found deer, we found elk, um, and other, you know, bones. But what, you know, because we assumed it was a maybe a cougar or something, you know, bringing it in, but then we saw what we thought could be a actual cougar skull. So we, when we saw that, now that kind of changes the game a little bit. We thought, okay, well, what's bringing a cougar in here? <laughs> and so, um, as we investigated further, we made our way to, uh, this like barbed wire area. And there was this half horse that was like, it was being pulled through the barbed wire fence, but it got caught under the rib cage and, uh, something was trying to get it through, uh, and it got caught on the barbed wire. And so I, and I'm assuming it was going to be bringing that to its cache, but, um, either got interrupted or stopped for some reason or another. And uh, it, we, it was just really interesting, um, the area we ended up going in. And uh, so we we wanted to get back there the next year. And then, um, you know, we had the whole COVID issue going on. And so that kind of slowed things down for a bit. But we definitely want to get back up there and uh, do some more investigating to see if there are any uh, any new Uh, bones being added or uh, um, just, you know, if there's any other things that are going on in that area.
0: Oh, yeah. It sounds like it's a place that you need to revisit for sure. And you know, whatever it's worth, if you have, if you can take some pictures of that skull or any of the other bones when you get back up there again, especially with the scale items. So we know how large things are. Scale items are very important when you're taking photographs of anything, whether it's footprints or skulls or femurs or whatever. If you can take a photograph or two, um, for maybe from a def- couple different angles of uh, whatever skulls you have, and this goes for anybody listening as well, and you want them identified. We have an expert, actually, on staff here at the North American Bigfoot Center. His name's Nico Spatafora, and he runs a group called the Fossil Team. So Nico does, uh, he identifies bones. He's kind of a fossil expert. He's a tracker, professional tracker in some ways. He's he's taken a ton of training courses. Um, He's an outdoor educator. He's a survivalist. He's everything all of us want to be. And um, and there's been a lot of uh, photographs of bones sent to the NABC here, and Nico goes, oh, yeah, that's a pig. Oh, yeah, that's a deer. That's a this. That's a that. Um, he is an expert in all that sort of stuff. Um, he's even given, he gives online classes uh, through Fossil Team is his uh, business. So um, if anybody's looking for training in this sort of thing, but literally, if you have a, a a partial skull and you want to know what it comes from, send us a picture at the NABC and um, Nico will almost certainly be able to identify it. And if there's something out there that he can't identify, well, that's even more exciting, I think. So... Whatever that's worth. So if you can get up there again, when, when do you plan to get back up to the bone cache again?
1: Um, we definitely, um, I'm hoping within the next few weeks for sure. Is it, is it under snow right now or what, what, is it elevation? They just got a, a recent uh, snow up there, so it covered everything back up. But uh, we're hoping to get that all melted off here. Um, I just checked the weather and they, you know, I don't see any more snow in the forecast. So hopefully in the next few weeks, we can get back up there and do some real investigating there and uh, definitely check on that bone cache area again.
0: Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, this, and snow. I'm done with snow. I hope it doesn't snow again till next year. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it at all. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Well, okay. Um, well, let's, let's 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 talk a little bit about the finding Bigfoot stuff. Like, how did how did you get how did you get um,
1: contacted and invited on to the show? So, I was uh, contacted by uh, Sean Mantooth. Uh, he um, got wind of uh, uh, me doing uh, research over here in this area, and um, and he knew that I was uh, very much into the Bigfoot, you know, subject, and so he thought it would be a good idea to add, uh, you know, a fresh uh, face uh, to the team and uh, go from there. He had, and I was more than delighted to uh, come on, especially, you know, that's basically you're going to pay me to hang around with Cliff and Bobo. Okay. I'm in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> were, were we friends yet? Or
1: is that where we met? I don't even remember. We, we were friends then because uh, we, yeah. uh, we met uh, the first time we met is when um, you guys came down to Walla Walla to film an episode, uh, I think it was called like uh Winter Wonderland or something. I can't remember. I
0: Oh yeah, that was that blizzard episode. That was that was a okay. Yeah, that's right. My timeline is all elastic and weird in my head. I can remember <laughs> what happened first. Right. So I met you on the Walla Walla episode of Finding Bigfoot and then exactly. you were invited for the Shasta episode later.
1: Yes, yes. And so cause they when we met there we um at the in the Walla Walla episode, we all sat around and kinda, you know, got to know each other you know, have some beers and just, uh, you know, share some stories. And I guess they, they like the chemistry and what, what have you. So they invited me to, uh, appear on the Shasta episode. All right. Right. Now,
0: what what stands out to you about the Shasta episode looking back? Was it the, 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 the nighttime investigations, the witnesses, the weirdos? I mean, what, 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 is, what was it about that, that, um, that kind of stands out to you after all these years?
1: I would say after it's just, kind of the experience as a whole you know just kind of seeing how you guys do things and and, and how Dana and Greg with you know what how do they go about doing uh, you know in investigations and research and, and included with the night investigations and talking to the witnesses asking the right questions and you know that could lead you to certain uh, different areas or two hot spots that you know that that uh, helps the entire uh, investigation um, and so I think Just all of that combined, uh, it really uh, gave me a different perspective on how I was going to do things uh, uh, in the future. And uh, I have changed a few things up. Um, I I even incorporated uh, different knocking techniques, you know, where I used to find, you know, just random you know, pieces of, you know, branches on the ground and hit it and they break. And, you know, I, I uh, have these two by fours that I use where I cut them down and then you just, you know, you smack them together and it makes this loud, uh, you know, it carries forever. And so I incorporated that into my uh, research kit and just, uh, and just having fun, to be honest. Um, it was a lot of fun, uh, going around, talking to different witnesses, uh, different locations, learning some history about the area. Um, it was a blast. And, you know, and, and I'm definitely grateful for my time on on the episode.
0: Yeah, I think he hit upon something that uh is often overlooked. Um, and, and it's the fun aspect of this. Um, bigfooting is fun or it should be fun. And people ask me quite often, um, like, what advice can you give me to go bigfooting? Um, you know, and they're thinking, like, bring a thermal imager or whatever. You know they're thinking, like, no, no, no. Go for another reason. Go because you enjoy it. Go fishing. Go um, hiking with your family. Go camping with your family. Go with friends. Do do something that you enjoy because most of the time Bigfoots don't show up. Um, But if you're out there to do something else that's fun, you're going to come back successful every single time. Yeah, and and um, and you know that I want to ask you um, what before we get back to the Shasta episode, since you do go out in the blues fairly fairly frequently, since you live right there. what percentage of the time that that you go out in the woods do you actually come back with anything that even could be a Bigfoot?
1: I would say one percent, or maybe more. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. You got to go a lot, man. You got to go a yeah, lot to tell, get that. You got. Yeah. You
1: have to get out there in in order to even. Put yourself in a position to you know bring find something Bigfoot related or you can have an encounter. I mean, it it when when I go up there, I, of course I'm going up there to you know squatch and research, but I'm really going up there just to get up into the mountains. You know, I love being up there. I love the crisp mountain air. It just does something to you. You're able to think clearer. You know, it, and I go up there for that aspects, and I, I've learned to uh, say. You know, bigfooting is just the icing on the cake. It's not that the the the, the overall re, you know big reason why I'm there. And it's all or nothing type deal. If you come back without anything, then it was a wasted trip. I don't ever think yeah. like that. You know,
0: no, no, you do it because it's fun. You know, like going through the motions, going for the walk is the fun. It's not the destination. It's at the actual participation participation, um, precipitation. Now, what am I saying? It's the, um, participation in a, in a hobby that you enjoy, you know, that's, and, and unfortunately, um, in bigfooting, you got to enjoy failure. (laughs) You have to, (laughs) it sure helps, I guess. Otherwise you're not going to be, you're not going to be in the game for very long, but you've been doing this thing for two decades. I mean, clearly you're, you're a lifer.
1: Oh yes. Uh, in it for life, love every minute of it. Um, and like I said, you know, eventually you hope to one day or, you know, one time when you're up there, you hit the payload, but until then have a blast just being up there in the mountains with, you know, some, most of the time with your friends and, uh, you know, that those are, you know, it's funny because the encounters or the, or the people with the, uh, you know, the visuals of uh, Bigfoot are not always, most of the time, just up there with their families or, you know, they're never, you know, specifically going up there to find Bigfoot. They're just camping or they're having a good time. And all of a sudden they come across something that's, you know, Bigfoot related. And so that's the approach that I, I, I started using. I'm like, no, let's just enjoy ourselves. You know, we'll go out, maybe do a little reconnaissance and then make our way back to camp and uh, see how it goes from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think statistically the, uh, the largest percentage of people who see Sasquatches are just campers. And I think it's drivers on roads and I don't know where hunters I think are up there too. So that makes sense. Now, now let's get back to the Shasta thing a little bit. Um, when, when you were out there being, being not a paranormal person, were you put in a circumstance where you just like rolled your eyes and laughed about it and just went along
1: with it? I, I wouldn't necessarily say roll my eyes, but I was definitely caught off guard a few times during that episode. Whoa! Whoa! Oh my gosh! I'm sorry to interrupt, but
0: um, I think we I, I, I think that someone's muscling into our broadcast. It's either anonymous,
1: Bobes, is that you? What's up, you guys? My friend, how are you doing? Good. What's up, Reggie? Nothing much. Just uh, chatting away with uh, Cliff here. Glad to have you, man. Sorry, I'm late. Ah, uh, the Bobes is never late. <laughs> yes, you're like a wizard. <laughs> you arrive exactly when you intend to. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You guys know how to do it. Oh, yeah, party is now the party is starting. That's what you
2: know. let's get this party started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bobo,
0: I'm so glad you can uh you can join us. We have a little bit of time left to hang out with Reggie, and we were just starting to hit upon the Shasta episode a bit, and I asked him, um were you put in a circumstance um where you just kind of rolled your eyes and went with it just to see what would happen
2: yeah i I, I did when I had to go with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> But that was cool. I, I, it was fun, man. Well, one of the
1: circumstances were, uh, is when they wanted to use uh, this old Indian language to uh, speak to uh, Bigfoot or Sasquatch, and I was uh kind of like, oh really? You know, I never cause that never crossed my mind whatsoever that, you know, this is the language that Bigfoot speaks or possibly speaks. And so I and I I had the phrase memorized because it was so out there that I Nia he, uh, momo or something, something. <laughs> <I can't laughs> what remember. does that even mean? Do you know? I, I don't have, I don't have any idea. Um, but I, they, she, she did, they didn't tell me at the time and I just did not commit that to memory. That's all right. That's right. You got the important part. Yes. And, and also, um, just when we were in the, uh, the Shasta caves, I think, uh, where we had to go on this, uh, journey, and you have to close your eyes and kind of take a uh, 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 an adventure through the caves and just and what and, and you see what you and I didn't see anything but the back of my eyelids,
0: dude. I flew, I flew in that cave. Yeah, I remember Bobo had a had quite a moving experience.
2: Uh, but it's Bobo, tell us about it, Bubs. I was flying through the cave, like <laughs> through the mountain. It was crazy. I was like, astro projecting. Wow. I'm doing a documentary with that guy, Brian. That was our guide on that. Oh, yes. Yes. That guy's rad, dude. He's so epic. He's going to be in a documentary I'm working on them. That's awesome.
1: I wish I could have, uh, you know, had that experience myself. You know, I wanted to, I, I opened myself up completely and I just, for some reason it, I guess I didn't open myself up enough <laughs> and I didn't, um, I wasn't able to go on a journey like you guys.
2: It was, it was crazy. It was one of the only times where ever had something like that happen. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure it was internally caused or whatever, but I'm sure some they had a brain scan be like, oh, you're generating this here or there, but I all I know is an, I saw it. I went through it. I was flying through that through the magma layers, old cooled layers, and igneous rock and whatever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. I remember you were quite into that, Bobo. That was awesome. Yeah, but Reggie, not so
1: much, huh? Not so much, unfortunately. I mean, I want it to be, but...
2: That was a cool experience, just even without that part. It was so cool just going under there. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, some of the stuff I didn't get a chance to do, I was off doing other... What was I? I think I was camping with RPG, if I remember right. Oh, yes, yes. Because yeah, at that point, he was an animal communicator. <laughs> 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 or so he said, you know, and I was thinking, come on, man. He is. Sure. I, I, I call my dog all the time. See, you communicate with Sochi. Yeah, well, I, yeah, but we all communicate with Sochi, yeah. So, <laughs> well, whatever, that was, a, that was a fun episode anyway. A lot
1: of fun, yeah, a lot of fun. And uh, Bobo had, you know, wearing the tinfoil hat. Well, it was actually, a, it was a tinfoil blind helmet. Oh, that's true, yes. Which you later found out was a mistake. That's a huge mistake, apparently. Which I didn't even think about that, but I guess if you apply the logic, it does amplify the signal, so... Um, when you use it on your TV, you know, back in the day,
2: it's still that day. I still got rabbit ears, but with foil on them.
0: <laughs> wow! Yeah. So, so Reggie, um, after the whole experience of finding uh, finding Bigfoot here, or like the, filming the show finding Bigfoot, because I'm not sure we found any on that trip, did that change the way you look at television at all?
1: To be honest, it it does. You know, just the uh, amount of work that goes into telling the story um, and having to piece that together, you know, um, you know, we, cause we would just, you know, we're squatchers, we're researchers, but also, you know, you have to have that entertainment aspect to it as well. And so, if you have to mix that in, and you you, can, you you have to remember that you're not just on your own squatting trip, just doing what you normally would do, because to a lot of people that might not be as exciting. So, you uh, uh, I like how you uh, we added in you know where we went to interview the the lady with the crystals, and we went to the caves, and you know all that you know was able to um, bring the entertainment aspect to um, the viewers uh, versus just. Hey, let's go squatching and we'll uh, we'll do some research. You know,
0: yeah, I, I think the uh, in bigfooting in general, I think the the cast of characters involved in, in the bigfoot community is just ridiculous. I'm astounded at how many muppets there are in the bigfoot community. You know, you look around, you say, all these people seem to be muppet characters to me. Like, and it, I just love them all. Now, mind you, that sounds like an insult, but it absolutely not, is not an insult. I am a huge muppet fan and I, I adore them. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, they all, just, everybody has just a peculiar, eccentric personality, and, and just they're all just so uniquely them. It's kind of one of the rewarding things about participating in the subject is all the, the the weirdos in a good way that you run across. You know, so
1: for sure, just you know the amount of work that you guys put in on every episode. I, I was just astounded by that. I, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot that goes into every episode that I had no idea, you know, just being a viewer, it just looks like it, you know, it was seamless and everything, but, you know, staying out that late, getting up really early in the morning and doing it all over again on repeat, uh, going into some, you know, tough terrain and, uh, just trying to work with each other and the weather the weather is a huge part, and so I, after that, I was just left and shocked, almost like shock and awe, like wow. And they and you guys were leaving right after that to go <laughs> to go on the East Coast to do another show, uh, another episode. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, give me two, three years off, please.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a young person's game, that's for sure. It's a hard, it's a hard gig to do. Yeah, and, and there's not a whole lot that's super glorious about it. I'll tell you that. and glamorous either for that matter
2: i'm bummed i'm late to the conversation i didn't get the reggie update i'll have to find out when i listen to the episode
0: (laughs) (laughs) did his squat store make it through the pandemic well we haven't even got to that yet so yeah reggie tell us about um your endeavor and how covid killed it but what's still alive and i think that's the important thing
1: yes so uh, a friend of mine paul bowen we uh opened up this, uh, store in Walla Walla, Washington, because Walla Walla, it's, uh, becoming this, uh, kind of a touristy wine area. You know, a lot of tourists are coming in for the wine aspect and, but there's no like souvenir type shop or anything where you can get, uh, any apparel or little, uh, trinkets or, or what have you. And so we, uh, opened up a, uh, a store, um, that, uh, sold like Walla Walla t shirts, you know, the normal, you, know, you go to Leavenworth, you go to, you know, any of these uh, tourist destinations and you're going to find shirts, keychains, hats, uh, any, you know, the, those style of uh, items. And so we decided to do that for Walla Walla. And in the, in the beginning, you know, it was 2019, it was uh, August, we started it. And then we finally opened up in October of 19. And things were going really well. We got a lot of customers from Seattle area, um, California, you know, they were all coming for the, uh, winter release of, uh, certain wines and they would stop by, uh, and, and so everything was going fantastic. And we also within the store had a, uh, Sasquatch zone, uh, if you, if you know, what have you, but it had, uh, you know, the, um, Patty cast along with uh, the Freeman cast uh, as well. We had on display and you could put these headphones on and you can, uh, you know, we had it to where this video of Paul Freeman was playing. Also the Patterson footage was playing just a little interactive uh, station within the store. And just, and then we had a lot of Bigfoot items, you know, Jeff Meldrum books, your guys' books, uh, you know, finding Bigfoot uh, clothing. uh, Well, um, the Finding Bigfoot book, what what have you, and just a lot of different Bigfoot keychains, and everything was going pretty well, and then uh, COVID hit, of course. And um, if uh, your main uh, focus and uh, way of uh, producing income for your business is tourists, and <laughs> and and a pandemic were to come around, you don't, you know, you just don't get tourists. So, <laughs> uh, yeah and we didn't qualify for any uh, assistance because we hadn't been in business for a year. And so it, it was uh, a decision that we had to make to pull uh, the plug um, and with uh, the possibility of opening up in the future. Um, but uh, the, the, the Sasquatch aspect is still alive and kicking because that was called the destination Sasquatch. And um, we, uh, we have this uh destination Sasquatch. It's like multi it's like a combination of everything. We have the destination website. We we started a podcast. We uh, stopped a little bit uh, for uh, various reasons, but we're hoping to get that back up as well. We have a YouTube channel with it's a few videos on there, but we're still like, you know, we're trying to build the Destination Sasquatch brand after COVID shut us down.
0: Well, things are probably opening up at this point over in, out there in Washington, right? I know uh, this weekend we we don't have to wear masks after this weekend here in Oregon, and I'm sure all our listeners in Tennessee are like, "You can still wear a mask? We haven't worn that <laughs> for two years." But but um, you know, it's the West Coast; it's the way things are out here. So things are opening up a little out there. So you're going to start trying to build that up, the Destination Sasquatch brand, and get some more content up there in the next couple of months here.
1: That's the plan to go in heavy with uh, Destination Sasquatch and uh, just uh, kind of uh, bring, um, bring that to life again. You know, we, 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 had, it was a slow start, but we could see it building and we're hoping we could, uh, you know, uh, pick up what we left off and expound on that, uh, a lot more. We're definitely not going to be a, a Bigfoot and beyond, that's for sure. But we're hoping we can, you know, get somewhere. Well, even we're not going to be a Bigfoot and beyond. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, <laughs> So destination Sasquatch, a podcast of a YouTube channel, um, anything else that we can look for?
1: Uh, I have a website as well. And, uh, we, uh, uh we're hoping to, uh, on the website, it has, uh, our podcast, of course. Um, then it has also just, uh, our, our YouTube channel. And then, um, we're gonna maybe dabble in apparel. Uh, we're just trying to get tweak, get everything right now. Cause it, to be, It just started kicking back up like uh, a month ago where we were like, okay, we can see it into this potentially. There's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel that we can see. So let's, let's start jumping on that right now. So we're hoping uh, for a good future here.
0: Well, I hope, I hope that works out well for you because again, you are sitting at the base of the Blue Mountains and there's a handful of Bigfooters out there that I'm sure that uh, you can rope in and, and uh, kind of piggyback along with some of those on some of the research and um, share some reports with and that sort of thing. Because uh, it's about community at the end of the day, you know, who you know in the area that you can trust. And because and, uh, one person is just one antenna, man. But if you have a bunch of people involved, it's a bunch of antennas bringing all sorts of information to the table. Yeah. So I, I really hope that does well for you. And of course, if there's anything I can do for you don't hesitate to ask I'm more than happy to help you out however I can you've been a good friend
1: for a long time
2: so hey Reggie did you, did you hear Greg and Dana Newkirk on here did you hear when we had Greg and Dana Newkirk on the show a couple weeks? oh ago? yes
1: yes Cliff Cliff was just telling me that that
2: was awesome how, how was that how did that go we talked about you oh you did <laughs> hopefully good things yeah you're about how Greg kept messing with you trying to scare you when, when you weren't expecting it
1: Yeah, that's another thing that people (laughs) probably don't know about me is that when I'm squatching, especially at night, I am terrified.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because I I wanted to ask you about that, but I also didn't want to embarrass you. Like, I heard you're real scared out
1: there. I am. (laughs) (laughs) You're smart. I use that to sharpen my, you know, my wits during the night. I, you know, if there's this, you know, eight, eight eight foot tall, you know, 800 pound thing out there. I am literally afraid of this thing right now. And, you know, I know there's no really no reports of it being dangerous, but at the same time, I don't want to, if I think if I accidentally see it at night and I, so I just try to sharpen my uh, wits, you know, but, and just stay on my toes. And uh, to be honest, I don't know if it's going to go away. I, I thought by now <laughs> after all these years, Doing it over and over, but nope, it's still just as uh, much as it was the first night I ever squashed. So,
2: everyone knows the black guy gets it first in the horror movies.
1: (laughs) I think think that's just built in. You know, it's like, hey, I got to get out of here, you know, type thing, because
2: we know (laughs) I'm first. Yeah. (laughs) It's a rational fear.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, nature has uh, helped me in that regard to let's say, hey, be on your toes and be ready to run. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: remember me next time you're out in the woods being afraid. A, you don't hear about them killing anybody, but we never hear from the people who didn't survive.
1: <laughs>
0: Think of me, Reggie.
1: <laughs> That's, that just adds to my, uh, my little uh, fear bucket here. <laughs> Happy to be of service. <laughs> wow. And I don't know how you guys do it. You go out on your own.
0: Well, I told you I'm not very smart, not very smart.
1: I, told I can you get scared. I get scared by myself sometimes, like nervous. For some reason, like just even thinking about going squatching on my own and staying overnight, it, it, it literally, I'm just almost shaking right now, just thinking about that. I, I just <laughs> can't do it. I don't know why, I, um, but I love it. I, you know, it's like it it excites me at the same time, but I'm terrified at the same time. It just brings out all these emotions while you're up in the mountains. And it's it, – it, I don't know, it's just an adventure.
2: Yeah, I was never afraid until I had a crazy encounter with them. And after that, I was, I was scared for like two years. I was always nervous when they came around because they scared me so bad that first night. And everybody gets scared,
0: Reggie. Honestly, everybody gets scared. I get scared out there because I go a lot. And when I hear them knocking back and forth, which isn't very often, but it sometimes happens when I'm out there alone, I, I, I've taken a couple steps back and said, Cliff, what are you doing out here? You know, I, I, have, I have a good talking to with myself, you know.
1: I am so glad you guys are filling me in right now because I would have done these things, and <laughs> you would have heard on the news that this black guy just ran off the, you know, cliff of a mountain trying to get away from a noise he heard in the woods.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, we didn't even mention that you, that you're, you're African American, right? And um, and. And and we didn't even mention that, of course, and I don't think it really matters, but it, it, it matters a lot for the story. When we when we were, when we we went out for beers that day, and then somebody, um, I think it was after one of the Walla
2: Walla things, and- um, The town hall meeting. Well, Bubba, you remember it better than I do. Tell the story. Well, Renee, you and I were talking with Reggie, and this woman came, goes, oh, you're the four people from Finding Bigfoot. I love that show. And she's all, what, you know, like, sitting in, she's all, and all yeah, that's Matt name She's like, oh, hello, and- she, and the person with her went. On, they said they love the show. They thought that Reggie, this black dude, was Matt Moneymaker, the German guy. Yeah,
0: and they claimed to have said, oh, I've seen all your episodes. We love your show. We love your show. So, yeah, well, well, I'm Cliff and Bobo and this is Renee and here's Matt Moneymaker. And they go, did you did, did you sign an autograph that night, Reggie?
2: Did, I did. <laughs> I signed a couple of them. I, Then I started introducing everyone as, as Matt Moneymaker. And then Reggie took the handle Black Moneymaker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think they they when they saw my long my long flowing locks they assumed i was yeah, uh right you know, my moneymaker
2: <laughs> uh, so, uh, so the, the funniest part was that even after that like well those but we told other people you were him and they 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 kind of like really like, oh, i didn't really notice him on the show I'm like oh yeah it's matt yeah he's we started telling everyone that was matt we told everyone after that that was matt moneymaker and you know most people didn't buy it but a few people did yeah, it was amazing. I'm, I thought no
1: one would buy it. And then <laughs> the fact that even a few people thought, I was like, wow, okay, let's uh, let's run with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially people who claim to love our show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I God don't exactly. believe you. <laughs> <laughs> so we did just one or two episodes.
1: Oh, my gosh. You guys uh, did the Walla Walla episode, and then um, – I saw you again when you went to Portland. It was uh right outside of Portland. What was that area? Um or the Dalles. Over in the Dalles, right? The Parkdale area. Exact, Parkdale area. And I, I, and I came to the town hall meeting there again and uh introduced myself as Matt Moneymaker and that area <laughs> as well. <And> so
0: <laughs> you got a good thing going, man. Good for you. I know. <laughs> I know. Matt Moneymaker look alike. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> you work like a
0: kids parties and stuff, like one of those, you know... Like an Elvis impersonator or something, yeah. Yes. money maker. <laughs> Listen, kids. Yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah.
2: Reggie, do you have a bat Nigger impersonation?
1: I think there's a Squatch in these woods. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That Terrible. wasn't the best
0: I've heard, but it's all right. No, definitely yeah.
1: not. I was put on the spot. I needed... Uh, if I had time to work, I would give you an excellent one, but... Yeah. We apologize
0: for putting you on the spot. <laughs> so, um, what's next, Reggie? Like looking to the future, you're going to get this destination Sasquatch thing up and run it again. Um, podcasts, you gonna start doing doing those with any regularity or is it just kind of spotty or what are your thoughts
1: on that? We're hoping to get, you know, destination Sasquatch up and running, uh, you know, hundred percent and, uh, doing podcasts once a week at least. Um, and, getting the uh, website up with, uh, possible, you know, we're going to have apparel and other uh, things you could purchase on that as well. And, uh, just kind of build up the, you know, build up the brand a little bit. Uh, I just think, uh, in this area, there's not really, um, well in the, uh, you know, the blues area, there's no one really taking up the uh, mantle that was, uh, left by, you know, um, Paul Freeman and West Summerlin. So, uh, Paul Bowen and I are hoping to, uh, you know, just uh, kind of be that, be those guys that if you have a report, if you have anything that you Bigfoot related, you can find us, you can talk to us. We will definitely follow up. And so that's what we're hoping to do. Um, in a sense, it's just kind of be those guys in this area.
0: Now you're also a professional educator working in the public school system right now. So you're probably pretty tied up at least until summer, I think, right?
1: Oh, for sure. Yes. With, uh, you know, parent conferences, meetings, you know, just the normal, you, you were an educator, you, uh, you just get tied up and you lose track of time until the summer pretty much. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah, a lot of large part will have to take place during the summer, unfortunately, you know, we'll try to get out as much as we can during uh, the school year, but it's just, uh, it's pretty hard, especially uh, coaching my daughter's uh, basketball team. And uh, it's just, a lot of different things that come to play during the year. Do you bring your family out with you? That's bait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like kid, well, like kids playing and making noise and having fun and camping. Like that's bait. Yeah. That's so they come in to check it out. Yeah.
1: My uh, son and, uh, and Paul's son, the, they came out with us uh, once and we were walking on this trail and we came across this horrid smell. I mean, just horrible. And, uh, we thought, you know, dead animal, of course, uh, and as we kept walking uh, about a hundred yards more, it's, we, you know, we smelled it again. We you know, another hundred yards, smelled it. It was like, Oh, and, and, you know, so we, uh, and we finally got to the Creek. We were uh, our destination, which was this Creek. And then we decided, okay, let's just turn back around and head back to camp. And uh, so we got back to where that area was. And I remember uh, 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 Paul told everyone, Oh, cover your nose. Cause we're coming up on that smell again. And nothing. Like hmm. not a, not a smell whatsoever just clean mountain air and so we're like what you know what's going on here?" (laughs) like we're supposed to be smelling this rotting kind of musty smell and we didn't we and we and the kids were just kind of laughing still didn't have a care in the world but i'm not sure what that was or what that smell was coming from
0: do your kids show any interest in the subject at all or is this something that is just kind of that that's dad's weird thing
1: it started out as uh that's dad's weird thing, but after going up there a few times with us, they uh I think they you know, they're leaning heavily towards the uh, you know, the Bigfoot phenomenon. They they it piqued their interest for sure.
0: And they probably like the time in the hills too. I mean, who doesn't like time in the mountains? Yeah, they get to go up there and mess
1: around and so they love that part for sure.
0: So Reggie, if somebody does have an encounter in the Blue Mountains, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Um, they can reach us uh, at, um, destinations, Um, you can just go on there and you're able to fill out this little, uh, inquiry form. And, uh, it has a way to contact us by email or what have you. And just, uh, contact us through our website destinationsaswatch.com
0: uh, fantastic and reggie thank you so much for coming on the show with us um you're a good friend i don't talk to you as much as i'd like obviously cuz you're all the way near the other side of the state but i'm so glad you set aside a little bit of time to come on bigfoot and beyond with cliff and usually bobo um and of course bobo did not disappoint and showed up cuz he i know he loves you and he wanted to come I see know
2: him. yes reggie bird baby i love that guy love you guys
0: All right, <laughs> uh, thanks reggie all right take care reggie uh, bye All right, Bubs. Hey, thank you so much for um, hustling back there from um, from you know out in the woods there to come talk to us. I appreciate you trying to make the effort. It wasn't easy, so thanks for doing that, man.
2: Yeah, I was bummed. I missed the beginning part because I really wanted to talk to Reggie. I'm glad I got a little bit of Reggie time in. Yeah, well, he was a little
0: bummed too, but but everything turned out well. And when I started, you know, seeing you appear on the screen there, I was pretty stoked. So thanks so much for making that extra effort to come back. I thought I was going to be alone on this one. So.
2: Right on. Well, cool, Cliff. Glad you handled it without me. That was a good job. And uh, I learned everything I know
0: from you, my friend.
2: (laughs) All righty. Well, looking forward to the next one. Me too. All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. That's Reggie on there. Go to DestinationSasquatch.com if you got a report in the Blue Mountains or Eastern Washington. He's a good dude. And until next week, keep it squatchy.